0: Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. All right, you can be seated. (coughs) Well, how's everybody doing today? Well, I'm doing all right. I kissed a pig this week. Is there a picture back there, Lynn? Did you do a picture? You did not do a picture, did you? You didn't, did you? Oh no, you didn't. It's on Facebook. Did y'all see the video? I know. Someone said, "What was it like?" I said, "It kind of tasted like bacon and wet cantaloupe." I'm just being real. It did. It's really bad. For those visiting today, no, this is not a pig kissing church. Um, They did a fundraiser here at the school and they wrote me into it. I, I didn't think I was that disliked, but I apparently got almost triple the amount of money that everyone else did for fundraising. They had these jars and you had to do that, and whoever did it had to kiss a pig. So the Diaz family just joined our church several weeks ago and they said, hey, we've got a pig. Yeah, she was asking for me. My girl, Missy. My girl, Missy. Missy Piggy. I love it. I love it. On a serious note, that was the sweetest, that was the sweetest pig. It really was. I mean, it's, I guess pigs are, I don't know if pigs are sweet or not, but that pig was really sweet. Um, she even ate a cookie out of my mouth. How about that? Isn't that funny? Like, I, ha- I didn't have the cookie in my mouth. It was like hanging, and she took it. I'm going to go ahead and go on. Um, <laughs> all right. Like eight people just said, I'm not going to listen to this sermon today. And they <laughs> logged off. I'm going over to Andy Stanley. I'm going to skip this dude. Um, hey, listen, so glad you guys are, are here today. I want to be, tell you how proud I am of you guys. Uh, we only have eight pair of shoes left. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. Yeah, y'all, that's... How many, Miranda, how many total are, are we, how many, how many total, like, how many, what is the total? 104 pairs of shoes, we got eight left. How crazy is that? And the cool thing is, is that some of you guys make donations and so we're gonna be able to go shop for those this week. Next Sunday is the time that you bring those though because they're gonna come pick those up. This is what's so cool about I-58 and I've been speaking out there the whole month. They're gonna come pick those up on Tuesday the 6th and then I think the following Saturday, those shoes, the same shoes that you purchased are going to be on the feet of the children. And they'll be wearing those through the Valentine's holidays and they'll go right on. Isn't that cool? How cool is that? I mean, it's really cool what they do. Everything goes right through them, right to their clients. And it's an amazing thing. So, all right. Well, I want to uh, remind you also that next uh, Sunday night is trivia here. And um, you need to bring it. Uh, someone said, is it Bible trivia? No, no, it's regular trivia. Um, uh, are we going to listen to worship music while we in the middle of the questions? No, no, uh, we're going to have some, um, not that worship music is bad, but we're going to have some good music. Um, that didn't sound right. Uh, <laughs> <coughs> we're going to have some music. We're, sorry, Dan. Sorry, Dan. We're going to have some uh, different music from all different uh, eras, Um, and yeah, it's going to be really great, so I hope they play Taylor Swift, but they may not, we'll see, (laughs) anyway, um, but yeah, trivia next time, we're going to have tables set up here, your small groups are going to come, if you're not in a small group and you want to go to trivia, listen, you just come anyway, and we're going to throw you right in there with a group of people, if you're that confident, heck, get a group of six to eight, we'll give you your own table, all right? And if you really do well, we may even give you a small group. All right. Like, hey, y'all ain't, you're a small group now. God bless you. All right. So listen, we're going to go ahead and get started today. We're talking about parables. This is the fourth parable that we're looking at. It's found in Luke chapter seven. So go ahead and get your Bibles and turn to there. I want to remind you what a parable is. A parable is, it means to come alongside of, it's a story that comes alongside of a teaching to emphasize the teaching, um, and <laughs> it's, a good, it's, a, it's, it's a good means of teaching. They use parables all the time during Jesus' day. We do the same thing. I try to connect a story with a teaching. But some parables are different than others, and we haven't seen one of these yet, but some of these parables that Jesus is going to teach is not even meant for non-believers. It's meant for believers. And some say, well, if you're, you're not a believer, so you can't understand what I'm trying to say. This one today is not the case. This one is a very interesting one that we're looking at. Someone asked me, someone said, hey, how did you pick the order of the parables? By the way, we have cards in the back. If you want to keep up with which ones we've done, you can check them off. We have cards in the back. It's got the date we did them. And when we did them, you can go on our website. You can go on our our app and you can check it out. You can listen to those. You can go on Facebook and listen to those live on there. But listen, someone said, how did you pick them out? Well, we tried the best I could to be chronological. So the parables we're going through are kind of chronological in order. And so the best we could, you know, you don't you can't be 100% certain, but the best we could, we try to put them in chronological order. And so this one is Luke chapter 7. We know that Jesus was a master teacher. We see people saying, "Hey, I've never seen anybody teach like this before." We also know that he was in the temple at age 12 and he was Interacting with and teaching those that were older than him, and so we know he was a master teacher. And so we get to go in and open up and look at these parables that he taught. Today's a little different. It's a great one though. We're going to look at it starting in verse thirty-six. It says this: one of one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. Let's go hard stop there. Who were the Pharisees? The Pharisees are the religious people of the time. They are the one that's very pious. They would wear the, the outfits and the gowns with scriptures on their robes and they would walk through the town and they were the religious people. They were outwardly religious. It says, he asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from the city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. She knelt, then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If you, got, if you write in your Bible, underline that. He said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. We're going to look at that. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave both of them, canceling their debts. Now... Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, (coughs) I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time, first time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Then men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Now go in peace. Lord God, we do ask you to open up these scriptures to us and open up our minds and hearts that you would teach us through your word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, what in the world's going on here? Well, oftentimes when when rabbis would come around, they would be invited to different homes. We see this happening when Jesus is is going through Jericho. He looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. And then they would go and they would go eat at their home. And we know what happened in Zacchaeus is saying, but what happened in this is that a Pharisee said, Jesus, come to to my home. Now, Simon here is Simon the Pharisee. It's not, it's, not any of the, um, it's not any of the disciples or anything. Simon was a very common name, by the way, back then. It was. It was a very, very common name. And, uh, and you, we see a lot of Simons in the Scriptures. We see a lot of them. If you go through and look, especially in the New Testament. So what had occurred is just what it said. He invited them to come in. They sat down to eat. When they sat down to eat, this woman came in and she began to wash his feet with this expensive oil. Now, a lot of people think that this is the same situation where Mary, it says Mary Magdalene and that she was a sinful woman and that she was anointing his feet and head with oil. However, there's an argument about this. I don't see the timelines lining up because we see that closer to the time of Jesus' death. We see that. And we see there's other people present. And we talked about this in the book of John. We see there's other people present that don't seem to be present at this particular one. There's no mention of a Pharisee or a Pharisee's home being the case here. And so I think this happened on two different occasions. Now, if you disagree with that, that's fine. But I think this happened on two different occasions. I think this is closer, newer in his ministry. We know that by some of the clues because they said, who is this man that goes around forgiving sins? Later, whenever whenever Mary anoints his, his head and his feet, it's very symbolic because of the death, burial, and resurrection. We know that. We saw it in John. We, we see the symbolism there. But you see this is almost a new thing. It's early in his ministry which is why I put the parable here. And I think this is a different a different woman, who knows, I could be wrong, I wasn't there, but it makes sense to me that this is a different woman because at a Pharisee's house, because and also the teaching is different as well. Now one thing you need to know about the book of Luke is when you think about the book of Luke, the book of Luke is always going to see Jesus as empathetic toward women, and, and children, uh, and those that are oppressed. Now you may say, well, I know, but he's always seen them in everyone. He is, but especially in the book of Luke. And we see that again here where the sinful woman has come in. There's no evidence that this was Mary Magdalene. I don't believe it was. It could be, but I think the timing's off. So let's take a look at what's going on in the scriptures. Let's do a deeper dive. The first thing I want to tell you is this. This parable was a setup. All right? It's a setup. Now, what do I mean by that? Jesus often set up his listeners to teach them so that they could have an experience of what it would be like to be someone else. And that's exactly what's going on here. We saw that, and I've mentioned this whenever we first started the series in the first week. We saw this with David and Nathan in the Old Testament. We saw that David was set up by Nathan because he said, hey, there's this guy. He's got this king. He's got everything. This one guy's got everything. And then this other guy's got one little sheep. And this other person took the sheep and, and killed it. What's, what's, you know, what, what's going on? Why, why, he took it away from him. And David got mad and said, well, we need whoever that is. He needs to. And he got ticked off. And he said, and Nathan said, hey, man, you're that person. You're that person. He, he wanted David to walk a mile in his shoes of, of Uriah. He wanted, he wanted him to, to see that. So with that said, this is exactly the same thing as that. It's a setup. He was setting him up. Can I tell you something? And this is something that we need to learn from us. And this is a little nugget of teaching here and of truth. Sometimes we have to experience other people's pain in order to have empathy and compassion on them. I want to say that again. Sometimes we have to experience other people's pain in order to have compassion and empathy on them. My brother does something I'm very proud of. He would be mad at me for telling you this, but my brother does something I'm very proud of. Once a year he and his wife do an outreach. Uh, My my brother Jimmy, their church does a lot of work with homeless people and uh, they have a food pantry and he works at every Tuesday night. And he goes and helps coordinate it and everything. And they go up there for several hours. And my brother does that. But one time a year, my brother will go to downtown Nashville. There's a place in downtown Nashville. And he and my, my sister-in-law, they will spend the night in downtown Nashville with homeless people. And because they never want to lose a sense of, of what it's like. They don't want to lose the empathy. They, want, they don't want to lose how... how much God's God's bless them. They don't wanna. They want to walk a mile in the shoes of someone else. And the truth of the matter is, you guys, is sometimes we have to be set up like that in order to walk a mile in the shoes of someone else. I will tell you this: if everyone here went out to I-58 Mission on Thursdays, if you went out there at Thursday at ten o'clock in Sonoy, you would come back here on fire for I-58. You know why? Because you've now experienced the people that are getting these shoes you experience the people that get these gifts you experience the people that get these groceries that we donate at times you experience the people and you see their children and their grandchildren and you look them in the eye and you love them immediately and the reason for that is is because you have seen and experienced what it's like to walk in their shoes. Sometimes we have to see and experience to walk in that shoe. But the question is is, how did that happen? How did he set him up? Well, here's how he set him up. Jesus answered the Pharisees' thoughts. That's what happened. Now that may trip you out a little bit. You may say, "Wait, what? What are you talking about? Because here's what the Pharisee said. In 39, he said, "Well, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself. He said to himself, and you know what? I wonder oftentimes if people say this kind of stuff about me or you or other people to themselves. Well, if he was a preacher, he'd wear a coat and tie. If he was a preacher, he wouldn't be kissing pigs on Friday and preaching on Sunday. If he were a preacher, blah, 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 blah. Well, if she was this, then, you know, that's exactly what's happening to Jesus here. This guy is thinking, well, if, uh, if he were a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman's touching him. She's a sinner. And it's amazing because Jesus turns around and says, Simon, I've got something to say to you. He answered his thoughts. Can you imagine being around someone who knows your thoughts? I'll assure you that I would not be your pastor if you knew all of my thoughts. Now, for a long time, I had a problem. There was no filter between my brain and my mouth. And a thought would hit, and it would come right out my mouth. Some of you may have that problem still. You know how I solved that problem? Marriage. (laughs) I decided that I would rather be happy than be right. Because you can't be both. This afternoon you're going to say, I think he's right about that. And I'm telling you, yes, I am. That's what helped solve it. Can you imagine being around someone like that? It's amazing because here's what the scripture says about God. I love this. In Proverbs 21:2, it says, People may be right in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their heart, just so you know when it refers to your heart. It refers to your whole being, all of this in here, your heart, your, your mind, your, the whole thought process here. The Lord examines those things. Hebrews 4.12 says this, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is alive and powerful, it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. Here it is. It exposes our innermost thoughts. You see that? It exposes those things. Psalm 139 verses 1 and 2 says this, O Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up, and you know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. Isaiah 55, 8 says this, Isaiah 55, 8 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything that you can imagine. God can see our thoughts. And he says, listen, I want you to know something. My thoughts are way higher than your thoughts. They're nothing like your thoughts. And then again, in Psalm 139, 23 and 24, it says this. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. (coughs) Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. Know these. Point out things that offend you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Now, for some of you guys, that may scare you. It may scare you because you may say, gosh, man, Jesus knows my thoughts. God knows my thoughts. He knows my thoughts. Some of you may be fearful of that, but I'm going to tell you something. To me... That is the best news I've ever heard in my whole life. And you might say, well, why would that be? Why is it so good that he knows our thoughts? Well, let me tell you why it's so good. Because that only shows the unbelievable grace that God has given to you and me because he knows our every thought and he loves us anyway. And he came and he died and he rose again and he defeated death and he's coming back. Even though He knows your thoughts and my thoughts at all times, He still does that. It shows His incredible grace and His incredible mercy toward the people that follow Him. Are you with me? He knows my every thought and He loves me anyway. It was a setup. Jesus saw and understood His thoughts he understood the judgment that was going on. He understood what the Pharisee had done. And then through the parable, he points out that one person came and had religion and the other person came and had love and relationship. We see in Luke 37 and 38, it's, it's, it says it again where he, he brings forth this and he says, look, he says, A certain immoral woman came from the city and heard that he was eating there and she brought a beautiful alabaster jar and she knelt before him and tears fell on his feet and she wiped them with her hair and she kept kissing his feet and putting on perfume. Can I tell you what this woman did not have? She did not have religion at all. She had no religion. She she didn't have scriptures on her arms. She didn't have the Sunday dress. She didn't. She didn't have, you know, the people she came with didn't have three piece suits on. All right. She probably was dressed inappropriate for church, for a gathering with Jesus. She was probably dressed inappropriate. She had all the things that you probably didn't wouldn't want to have in your church. She had all of those things. But I'll tell you, she didn't have the religion, but she did have the relationship now, there's some cues here that you miss if you don't pick up on them and what's going on here as Jesus tells this story. The Pharisee had some sense of respect for Jesus because he brought him to his house. He says, I, I want to know what this guy's up to. You know, there's a little bit of respect because I'm going to sit down and eat with him. And that was a huge deal. They just didn't let anybody sit down and eat with Pharisees. They wouldn't just So they brought Jesus in. But here's what the Pharisee didn't do. He came in. Now, he came in the customary things that would happen to show honor to a guest. The Pharisee didn't do any of that. See, they, like me, realized back then that flip-flops were awesome. And they had sandals and they would be dusty on the roads. And when they would have their sandals, their feet would be very dirty <clears throat> and they would wash the feet. They would, there was a basin with a bowl and water and they would wash their hands and their feet. Here's a side note that we've looked at back in John. Remember the big jars of water that Jesus turned to wine at the first miracle? Do you know what those jars of water were? They were the dirty water, the water that you would use to wash your hands and your feet. So the miracle, it goes really deep, but the dirty water would become the wine, and the wine in the Scripture is known as the blood of Christ that would save. He would make you dirty. He would take you from being dirty to being clean. Are you with me? All right, that's a little nugget. That's free. Nothing extra in the offering today, okay? That's a free nugget, okay? But no, seriously... The sandals were dirty, he would, they would wash the feet, and they would offer oil on their heads to freshen them up. They wanted to be freshened when they would come to eat a meal. Now I'll tell you, the only thing I can compare to this is when I went out west, all right? That, the trip out west a couple years ago where Wendy drugged me all over every trail out west, uh, and I saw firsthand every rock that, that Lewis and Clark saw uh, on their quest out west. Um yeah, so so that was me. You know, all the pictures of Wendy way ahead with my son, and I'm back in the back slugging along uh like a pack mule. That was me. Um, but whenever I would be we would be ready to eat, because of hiking so much, our feet, my feet were hurting, and my hands were hurting, and my hands were tired, and we had walked a lot. Um, and we and I, I just I wanted to freshen up. Are you with me? I wanted to say, okay. Stop. I went bathroom if they had one. Uh, If not, I would take that Yeti cooler and just dump it on my head. Uh, I I wanted to be feel fresh and I didn't want to touch food. I didn't want to I didn't want to sit down anywhere because I just felt kind of gross. And, And so that's what we would do. We would freshen up before. And this is the same kind of thing they would do before meals. They had come over like, hey, let's freshen up a little bit before we start handling food. okay? and that's what they would do. And that's what's going on here. But the thing is, is that the Pharisee, when Jesus came in, he didn't offer him anything. He didn't say, hey, go freshen up. Hey, here's some water and a towel. Hey, here's some oil for your head to to have a nice fragrance as we eat. He didn't do any of those things. He didn't honor him in any way. So when the woman comes in, she comes in and she takes this oil and her tears wash his feet. And this oil begins to permeate the room. But she did so out of pure relationship. You see, the Pharisee, he had a somewhat of a respect for Jesus, but he didn't go all in. The woman, she came down, threw herself at his feet and wanted 100% relationship. And she wanted, she wanted to repent and she wanted forgiveness. The Pharisee just wanted to check him out from a distance. The woman made an outpouring because, as we'll see in the, in the story, the need for forgiveness was bigger from the woman, or so you would think, than from the Pharisee. The woman made an outpouring because her need was greater. The final thing is this. Jesus shows that there's a direct connection between forgiveness and gratitude. There's a direct connection between Jesus and between uh, forgiveness and gratitude. I want you to hear this. In the parable, I want to explain the parable to you. In the parable, the Pharisee is the man that owed 50 pieces. And the woman is the one that owed 500. Those who see what they have, those that see that they have a greater need, will have the greater gratitude. Gratitude. Lu, uh, Jesus a little earlier in Luke 5 says this. I believe we have that scripture. Luke 5 it says this. Do we have that? It says, Jesus answered them, healthy people do not need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come, here it is, I have come to call not those who, what's that word? Think, think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Simon, the Pharisee, didn't recognize his need for Christ. He didn't recognize his need for Christ. He had it all together. He had all the answers. He had a nice home. He was religious. He would judge those that that weren't as religious as him. And when Jesus came to his home, he didn't honor him. The woman was a hot mess. She was was an outcast. She was a known sinner. Uh, some, Some people even believe that she was probably a prostitute. Uh, uh, to, to the nth degree, very well known all throughout the area. And she was desperate for forgiveness and to repent. And Jesus says this, he says, the woman's faith has saved her because there's a direct connection between your forgiveness and your gratitude. The only difference, listen, I want you to hear this. The only difference between the woman and the Pharisee is that the woman realized her need For forgiveness and to repent. And the Pharisee realized that he was religious. That's the difference. You see, there's a connection between your thoughts on whether or not you need to be forgiven and the gratitude that you will have. What are some things that we can learn from this? Here's what I want you to learn from this if you don't learn anything else. You have to realize that your own goodness will not Leads you to the cross. We have all fallen short. The scripture says that the best that we can do is filthy rags as it's compared to the holiness of God. Here's the thing next thing I want you to know we have no right to judge anyone when we are such a hot mess. To begin with. We have no right to judge anyone when we are such a hot mess. We don't. You see this Pharisee was going, this guy, this guy doesn't even know who he's having, having dinner with. I mean, this, this, this is a sinner over here. What in the world's going on? What, what's going on here? I, I'm the holy one over here, and, and her, she's a sinner. What's, what's going on here? If he knew and Jesus answered his thoughts and said, "Let me tell you something. One owed fifty, or thought they did, and one owed five hundred. Which one do you think would be more appreciative? Well, of course, the one that owes more. That's right. You're right. You're right. And this woman is the one that came in and offered me something. You didn't offer me anything. She offered me oil. You didn't offer me anything." you didn't offer anything for my head, you didn't offer anything for my feet, you didn't offer me any water, you didn't offer me towels, you she offered everything. She came in and took all this money and spent on this perfume and she anointed my feet with her very own tears and she wiped them off. Now who do you think thinks to have the greater debt? Well of course she does. Holy Spirit convicts, God judges, and we are to love others. And that's the way I believe that God would have it. Now, I do want to mention one thing to you. Telling someone the truth of what the Scripture says is not judging them. I want to say that again. Standing on the Gospel and telling them what the Bible says and what Jesus says is not judging them. It's actually helping them. Judging them is saying they're going to hell. I don't want to be around them. Who do they think they are? Going to them, building a relationship and saying, Hey, let me tell you where I think the scripture would would, would want you to hear this. And reading it. That builds relationships. And that's the parable of the unequal debts. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for your word that the scripture says that divides. <coughs> it it can it can sort out our inner inner thoughts. It can sort out our heart and it divides up and lays open who we are as people. God, my prayer is is that we would understand who we are as people and that you that you would continue to show yourself strong in our lives. And God, as you do that, we will be very careful not to take any of the credit, but God, we will give you all of the glory and of the honor and the praise. Let us be people that recognize our need for you in the strong and mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand up for a final worship song this morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcowita.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.